My guest today is Brian Kozarek. In this episode, Brian shares harsh life events that separated him from his authentic self when he was only eight years old. He tells his story of awareness, growth, and evolution to find his way back to living in alignment with his core values of passion and purpose. We each share our own experience with midlife crisis only to find out that we worded a similar experience in a very different way. Brian courageously demonstrates the power of vulnerability during one of his stories. If you have ever struggled with finding your purpose in life, this episode is for you. Hello, Brian Kosarak. I am so glad to have you on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and be a guest. Thanks, Maddox. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So um, let me tell the audience that um, we just briefly met. We This is our third time to speak. Well, the first time was probably about a week ago. I was introduced to Brian through a close friend of mine that said there was just, he believed there was a reason that we needed to know each other. <laughs> so we got together and we found out indeed there was a reason we needed to know each other. And so here we are uh, recording a podcast episode. So Brian is the, he is a coach and he is the founder of a platform entitled unite.com. So Brian, tell us a little bit about that. Quick correction, the uniteapp.com, just so people get to the right place. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you for correcting me. Uniteapp.com. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Glad to be here. You know, you and I both have a passion for supporting people and uh, helping where we can. So that definitely aligns with uh, not only your podcast, but my mission with what I'm looking to do. So thank you. So tell us a little bit about Unite. Yeah. So Unite is really built around four pillars of achieving your goals. Uh, When I was on my journey to kind of thrive in life and become the best version of myself, I noticed that it was the mentors that were in my life the environment that I put myself in, the structure and the opportunities to grow and learn, as well as the community, uh, people that were on a similar journey to me, that really allowed me to take the biggest steps forward uh, from what I felt was my inauthentic self to my authentic self. And I noticed that those four things kept showing up, mentors, learning opportunities, community, and and, uh, just the environment to succeed and thrive. And so you know, coming out on the tail end of a 10-year journey, I was like, you know what? The world needs support with these things. I think we're in a, in a period of life where a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the, the stat is one in four adults to struggle with their mental health, happiness, and overall well-being. And I really wanted to support people around that. So Unite is built around bringing mentors and learners together uh, in an environment that's conducive, a digital environment, I should say, that's conducive to growing and learning and giving people the the structure and support they need to thrive in their life. Uh, as you know, it's all about awareness. And the more we can become aware of ourselves and what's holding us back or what's causing us pain or, you know, so forth, uh, we can we could start to move away from that and find calm and peace and happiness. And I think in such a tur- turbulent world that we're living in right now, uh, something like Unite is is needed because you know, roughly, like I said, 26% of adults, which is roughly 51 million people in the United States really do struggle. And so if I could do one thing to, 
you know, bridge that gap between where people need support and bringing support to them, you know, that's what we're looking to do with the uniteapp.com. Yes. And one of the things that you said that I just really completely agree with, resonate with, do all of the above is that awareness is key. It's the first step. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even when you get into 12 step programs, one of the first things they have you do, you know, my name is so-and-so and I am a, whether it's a sex addict or a drug addict or a, it's that um, awareness that, yeah. and, and acknowledgement that you do have a challenge, a struggle, something that you need to overcome. My journey started in a room with 150 people all there thinking they were going to improve their jobs and make money. And we all realized we were all in the closet with something, whether it was, you know, uh, depression or grief or, you know, cheating, you name it. And with 150 people, we're all struggling with something. Yeah. And that's we've all got, we've all got shadows that are, are uh, you know, standing in our way. And, and that's my belief is that we're stronger together. We're, since we are all struggling with something, let's just acknowledge what it is. But you're absolutely right. The first step is, you know, if you can see where you're struggling, that is the start of a, a new path for yourself. I agree completely. So you you mentioned earlier your your journey to authenticity. So I, I want to circle back to, of course, what what this is about, and and that is how how would you define what is what does the authentic gay man mean to you? I think we're all born, um, and this is my belief, but I I do believe we're all born with a purpose, a set of skills and strengths that are unique to us. Um, and at some point in our life, uh, we develop a survival pattern. Uh, we develop a way of being existing, whether that's within our family, within our friends, within our school, within our, our workplace, but we develop a way of being that allows us to protect ourselves and survive to the extent that we need. But a lot of that comes with ignoring who we authentically are. Um, and so I feel that, that you know, my path, um, and I'll, I'll tie this into what it means to be an authentic gay man, but, you know, I think around the age of eight, I stopped listening to myself and, you know, your teachers start to guide you and they're older than you and they're teaching from a way of the past. And so you just, you know, through your teachers, through your family, like I said, through your friends, you just start to lose touch with who you are. And I think that being... Uh, an authentic gay man is coming back to who you are, to what brings you happiness, no matter what that means to the rest of the world, just standing in your power of who you are with your strengths, with your skills, whatever makes you, you, that's what it means to be an authentic gay man. And a lot of us have lost touch with what makes us authentically us. And the journey back to that is what it's all about. It's reconnecting back to yourself and peeling layer by layer, like a little onion. So you get back to that little, you know, ball of energy that, that makes us, us. That's what I think it means to be a authentic gay man. You know, you're making a beautiful point, Brian, in that we are all born authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that we have to learn or achieve in our lifetime. It's something that we came into the world with, and then somehow it, it got, um, 
well, this is maybe a little bit of harsh, but it kind of got beaten out of us, you know, and for some of us, absolutely, you know, society and, and oftentimes family and school and teachers and coaches, they just beat it out of us. And then it takes a lifetime to, to rediscover that, to come back to who we came into the world uh, initially as. So, so you mentioned eight years old. Was, the, was it a gradual thing that happened or was there something in particular that happened at that time in your life that facilitated that kind of moving away from what came naturally to you and authentically? Yeah, there was, uh, there's a very distinct moment in my life. Um, my mother was the, uh, you know, she organized the programming for our elementary school. And so her and I would go to a lot of shows together to discover new talent to bring, you know, to the students at our school. And I remember seeing one, maybe it was after I went to Medieval Times, or it was something, though, that I just remember the, the experience, the the lights, the sound, and wanting to bring an experience together for my peers and to create it. And I just had this really strong vision of, of who I was meant to be and what I wanted to do. But society, you know, let's look at this in, in, the, in the full, you know, the big picture here. Humanity and our species falls on a spectrum in so many different ways. But given the time that we're born in, that determines the scope that we get to operate within. Um, and so obviously I'm eight years old. I don't have any language to put to what this means. I just know I enjoyed it. I loved putting shows and experiences together to bring community together. Um, you know, so those were my strengths, creating experiences, community. Um, and it wouldn't be until later that I discovered kind of the second part of that, but then there was a moment in high school, again, where I wanted to, um, you know, I loved mixing music on my computer. And it was the early day, days of digital music. And I had this vision being on stage with lights and music, you know, what we would call today as EDM or, uh, you know, what people are paying to go see in the concerts. And I recorded a track and I brought it to the teacher that was in charge. And she's like, what's this? This is for the car to listen in the car. And I was like, you don't see my vision. You're 20 years older than me. You're living and operating from the past. I'm envisioning the future, but yet we let teachers tell us who we should be. Um, and if there's any gay man that's out there listening, that's younger, you know, remember you are the future. Your teachers are giving you structure and guiding you, but they're teaching from the past. Um, and so then once again, my path was ignored. You know, I didn't, push. Again, I didn't have languages in uh, maybe a 16-year-old or 17-year-old. So I ignored myself again. I didn't create music. I didn't bring community together. I didn't create experiences. Um, and then you get to college, right? Well, college isn't teaching wellness. College is, isn't teaching app development. College isn't teaching psychology and, and you know, digital connection. So, who was going to teach me how to be my authentic self? Nobody. So I kept depending on, on the school system and my family to bring me into alignment because I didn't have the language to do it. I was, you know, this little soul, you know, bouncing around in the world. And there you have it. You lose yourself just like that. 
Well, and and on 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 a deeper internal level, what was that like for you? I mean, you're you're literally describing what I said earlier about mm-hmm. you know the world beats it out of us, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I always deeply, deeply, deeply knew who I was. That feeling was always there. And I always felt I had a calling. And I remember I was in, I was 30 years old. I got out of a three-year relationship with a man. And, you know, I told him, I said, I feel like I have a purpose. I feel there has to be something more than what I'm doing here in this moment. And at that moment, he did, you know, open up to going to therapy. Um, He had some things he had to work through. And, uh, you know, he brought that up to his therapist and said, you know, I don't feel I have that feeling. And I think this is a really important thing to mention. The therapist said, well, maybe your purpose is to just be the best friend that you can be to others. And he took that to heart and he became the most amazing friend. But for me, I still had that calling, that calling. And we ignore it because that requires us usually to separate from the community, from the herd, from the group of friends that we've developed to keep us safe as gay men. And I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I need to be my authentic self. And it was at that moment in time at 30. So 22 years, I ignored myself. And at 30, I said, I'm going to listen to myself. And I went and sat in a field. And there was an exercise I did around uh, life direction and life purpose that essentially had me look at every happy moment in my life. And I created a whole list of the happiest moments. And I went back year by year And then I came up with my top four core values from those experiences that made me happy and and come alive. And I said, okay, my core values are community, experiences, growth, and uh, creation. And I said, from this point forward, anything I do has to align with those core values. And so I reinvented my career. I reinvented my circle of friends. I moved to a new city and I brought myself into alignment. Um, and for a lot of gay men, that does not happen until their forties, their fifties, their sixties. I was just going to say, you know, I just wanted to call out and acknowledge if you had that awareness and you made that choice at 30, Mm -hmm. uh, you're on the road less traveled. I mean, everything that you're describing is the road less traveled. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've been on the road less traveled most of my life, so I know, you know, there, there are a few of your peers around you that are studying what you're studying or reading what you're reading or going to the workshops or seminars or the they're very different personal growth things that you're pursuing. There's very few of your peers that are doing that. And mm-hmm. it makes our journey um, rather lonely. It's a very lonely. Isolated and, and rather lonely. And it doesn't have to be. Um, I think there is a balance, you know, um, I think, again, bringing it back to what we were just talking about, awareness. You could have that awareness that you want more and, and explore it and do it on your own. Um, but you could also come back to community and friends at any moment to reconnect. You know, I took probably, I would say, 2019. So I, I, I took a solid two years away from community uh, and my friends to really, you know, build this business and get clear on who I wanted to be. And now I'm trying to come back to it. So it'll probably be about two and a half, three years that I took to be with myself, to explore my my authenticity, to develop the person who wants to create change at a global level 
around my core values. And that's what I took, you know? So a journey can be three to 10 years. For many people, it could be a lifetime. But again, we still have that power to create what we want. It's been a lifetime for me. Yeah. You know, I can, my, my, my journey, there was a, a, a very specific thing that happened in my life when I was, um, I guess maybe about 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And I, and that was how my journey started. And I've been on that journey mm-hmm. for 36 years. Yeah. Um, and we'll be on that journey until my, my last breath. I mean, it is, uh, it's not something you do. It's something you become. It's a way of life. It is totally a way of life. And, you know, you, you were a little earlier than most. The, the average for men is about uh, 30 to 33 when they have that peak maturity, that awakening. Uh, for women, it's around 27. Um, but for men, it could be, you know, 33 and, and later before. Well, and we, you we don't... both know there's a, a lot of men out there that at any age still haven't gotten it. And, that, and that's okay. You know, you they know, always our, our our community in in general. Now, I'm not I'm saying generally because there are certainly exceptions, but our community is uh, not really known for a high level of emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, th- I think that we we largely run from emotional maturity. Yeah, and uh, so that you know makes those of us that have pursued that emotional matur- maturity kind of uh, the odd man out oftentimes, mm-hmm. you, which is part of that, that feeling of feeling like life has kind of beaten us down, you know, like uh, there was a point where I had to realize that I, I didn't want to fit in <laughs> that. I, I just, I couldn't, and I didn't want to fit in. You know, we go through this period where all we, all we can think about is that we want to fit in. I know I went through that. I just want to fit in. I want to feel like that, you know, and, and, and then there was that defining moment when I went, no, wow, I really, I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be a sheeple. Yeah. And there was, I mean, there's a lot of questioning of the authentic self uh, on that path because even I went through a stage when I did wake up to wanting more. And that was the year before I left New York City to set out on my three year journey. And you know, my, my sister is a social worker and I literally asked her, I said, are these feelings that I'm having normal? You know, I have a desire to impact people, uh, to help the world. Um, and at, at part of me, because as you know, one of the stages of evolving, you know, as a human is the, the val- validation stage. If you were not acknowledged and seen and validated for your authentic self from a young age, you then overcompensate by, you know, trying to seek that validation and acknowledgement in different ways. Um, sometimes that aren't healthy, sometimes that aren't authentic. Um, but I remember, you know, I'm like, is, is this a narcissistic trait? Like, is this normal? And she she said, well, do you have the tools and resources and ability to to, to support people in that way? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, then you have every right to be on this journey to, to, to go after what you're going for. But even going after what I wanted to go for, I had to do a reality check on myself to make sure I wasn't, you know, acting out of wanting that validation as a gay man. And, you know, 
I think it's good to check in with yourself around those things sometimes. Well, yes, absolutely. I personally think it's what you're describing is very normal. You know, I I think that we go through a period of life where it's all about us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're working on our own growth and trying to figure out our own beingness and how we show up in the world. But there's a point where we've done enough that we start to feel like, you know, we have a, a true sense of self and we're comfortable in our own skin. And then that path becomes perhaps not enough. Correct. And that's, and that's when we turn outwards and say, I've spent this, this period of time looking inward, working on me. Now it's time to take everything I've, I've learned in the journey and my wisdom and um, move it in an outward direction and make a difference in the world. And some people don't ever, ever reach that stage of our evolution. Um, but it's, I do believe it's a natural thing. So it is. You reached it maybe earlier than maybe most do. I, I have now concluded that I have. And I have another friend that was going through this. And there's a several year period where you are lost trying to figure out who the authentic self is. And we we had read several books that have described it in different ways, but essentially was the same thing. Um, many people know it as a midlife crisis, which happens around 40 to 50. Um, and you and I faced this at 30 to 33. And uh, when your peers haven't gone through it yet, you know, my best friend at the time when I started bringing my friends, my career, everything into alignment with my authentic self. We had a dinner and I shared with him, I said, this is what I've been going through. I'm excited about this awakening. Um, He literally put money on the table and walked out and called my mom and said, I think Brian's been brainwashed because I was finally being my authentic self. He didn't get it. He did not get it because he was too in the depths of who he was. Um, and he viewed it as me rejecting him, which was not the case. It was me wanting to be my authentic self, which I had to explain that to my mom. I was like, this is what's going on. I'm not brainwashed. I'm becoming me. And, uh, we never had, you know, we, we tried to reconnect after that, but we just could not bring it into alignment with our, our new versions. You were on two different pages. Yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. Not- you said something that I really kind of want to like come back and revisit for a minute. You talked about midlife crisis, and mm-hmm. this is like something that I don't ever hardly ever hear come up in in gay conversations, gay men social circles. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether we just avoid the topic, um, but I would love to explore that for a minute. I would love to hear how you how that it showed up for you it's going to show up a little bit differently for each of us so when you mm-hmm. experience what we would call midlife crisis what did that look like and then and then i'm going to tell uh, uh, the audience a little bit about what mine looked like yeah definitely um i i think we as a society have created a, de- a definition for it um where you know uh, somebody has a freak out and they you know act out and they get a piercing or a car or a tattoo. And, and what it really means to me is that we were not living in an alignment. And finally with maturity, you realize this um, and you are working to become the person you weren't when you were younger, when you were in high school, when you're in college, when you're out of college. And so it really, to me is nothing more than a, 
holy shit, I'm out of alignment. I want to live my best life. I want to thrive. I want to be happy. Um, I've been living to make other people happy. Well, if I'm going to do it, now is the time. You know, I'm, this is the youngest I'm ever going to be. So to me, that's all it was. Uh, mine was a little bit more, uh, what's the right word? Um, deliberate, because I, I went to a class that focused on your past, present, and future. And in that first class where they focus on your past, their goal is to essentially move you from out of alignment into alignment. So it was literally, it was a, a four day class over a weekend, uh, 12 hours a day. And I literally went up to the coach and I was like, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting this. He goes, just wait, just wait. In the 11th hour, right before the class was about to wrap up, I just started sobbing and it came out of me. Like you would have thought my whole family was just killed. And the guy that I was sitting next to, we were doing partner work and he said, you need to go call your family. And so took my emotions, uh, went outside. Uh, my mom was actually in the hospital at that time. She's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yes, you know, but I was running away from who I was and I was moving from Chicago to Texas, from Texas to New York. And you know, wanting to sell real estate and then sell penthouses. And it was just this, this desire to be more and prove more and val you know, get more validation. And then I realized this isn't me. And I just, it felt like this weight came off my shoulder of trying to be something to people that I wasn't. And, um, it was just such a relief, but I I'd love to, you know, hear how yours compared. Cause yeah, mine showed up very, very differently. You know, I don't, I don't really recall any sports car or or a, a tattoo or any. I mean, not that I <laughs> haven't owned a sports car and not that I don't have a tattoo. I do. But, um, you know, I, I when it came, there was this. I had always lived in this space that believing that right around the next corner, Mm -hmm. life was going to be really fabulous. Yeah. You know, right around the next corner, there was going to be that thing that I felt totally passionate about right around the next corner. There was going to be that financial success right around the next corner. There was going to be that ideal partner that I was going to just be totally in love with. And we were going to live happily ever after type thing. Mm -hmm. Everything was just right around the, the, the next corner. Yeah. And the, the crisis came for me when I realized it's never coming. You know, I just kept waiting and it didn't come and it didn't come and it didn't come and I'm getting older and it's not coming. And, and there was this moment of there's nothing around the next corner. Mm -hmm. it, it was like, this is all there is. And I had a meltdown, you know, it was just kind of like the thought that this was all there was, was like, wow, I don't, I don't know if I can live with that. I don't know if I can live with this is all there is. It was deeply disturbing. And, and then mm -hmm. after I got through the disturbing point, then it, there was just this shift. It was like, well, if this is all there is, then I guess I better make the best of what is. 
I think for the first time in my life, I think I had spent my whole life living in the future. Mm-hmm. I was so focused on the future that I wasn't in the present moment. And this midlife crisis yanked me out of the future into the present moment. And I let go of all of that shoulda, coulda, woulda that might be in the future and just started really focusing on how to make the right here and the right now good. And it was a major turning point. Yeah, like My life has been a completely different life since that day. But I, and it took me a while to understand it. It took me a while to be able to articulate it. Mm-hmm. But it was literally the letting go of this idea that something was fabulous was right around the next corner. And, and as soon as I got to that point and, and let go of all that and started being in the present moment, it wasn't long before really great stuff started to show up. It was like my projecting it into the future was preventing it from being in my present. And as soon as I let go of that, it started to show up in my, my present. I know that doesn't, for a lot of people, may not make a lot of sense, um, but it was my experience. So I want to acknowledge one thing that you said. Um, you and I both had a point where we said, there has to be more, or is this all there is? And that is a big moment of awakening for an individual when they realize something's not right in life. And so if someone's listening and they've asked themselves that question, is this all there is? Or there, you know, there has to be more, or is there more? You know, that's, that's the start of an awakening towards the authentic self. Yes, I agree. And, and it's so odd that, you know, in one moment, I'm like having a meltdown because fuck, this is all there is. Mm-hmm. And that sound felt, felt really depressing to me. Yeah. And, and then in the next moment, it was this breakthrough of, oh my God, you know, this is it. This, this, this is it, you know, and it, it just yeah. shifted. It was crazy. Would you say it was switching from, and help me with the word, because for mine, it was switching to the role of a creator versus the role of someone who's just experiencing life and letting life happen to them versus creating the life they wanted. You know, I can see that aspect of it. I wouldn't have been able to language it like that. For me, it was more of a shift from somebody that was living in the future so, mm-hmm. so focused on the future to living in the present moment. Gotcha. But on some in, on some level, we're just we're saying the same thing, but with a different language. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, that was the biggest moment is when I realized uh, what I wanted was I, I was going to have to be the creator of what I wanted, um, and a lot of people do. You know, it shows up in different forms. I think it shows up in the form of maybe a victim you know, I was the victim or I'm living in the future or I'm just experiencing whatever shows up. You know, there's many different forms that could. Exactly. If you're, as I was so focused on the future, creation Mm -hmm. happens in the present. I couldn't be a creator when I'm Mm -hmm. so like completely focused on the future. I wasn't Mm -hmm. in the present moment at all. You can't create from that place. Yeah. So we are really virtually describing 
the same thing, just languaging it a little bit different. And I, I, it would just be so fascinating to know, you know, how many other ways that this could show right. and be languaged <laughs> and yet still be a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. This would actually make a great group topic. Yeah. Um, I love what you're saying. Um, so tell me, as you have discovered and moved into that more authentic self, mm-hmm. what has that... How has that affected your everyday life? What does that look like? What what does that produce or or mean? Or what what are you creating from that place now of alignment? Yeah, it was a really um, difficult phase because I was in real estate in New York. And I literally remember standing out on the street after a closing or a showing, something happened. And I was talking to my dad and I was like, I literally cannot operate in this environment anymore. Like it was ego driven. It was, you know, working 24 seven. It, you know, it just was not in alignment with my core values. And then that was the transition to figure out how do I go from where I am to where I want to be? You know, so I, the only thing I had was my core values, right? Community growth, um, experiences and, and creating, And those were the four things that I could live by, but I could create whatever I want. That was a journey. Um, And that could happen as quickly as you want, if you're aware of what it is, or it could be as slow and painful as you want. And I've seen many friends go through a very painful process of evolving into who they want to be. So I said, all right, let me take a guess at what this looks like. So I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to, I want to write a book. and right? You're just trying to literally trying to guess who is this authentic self? You get bits and pieces, but you're still trying to figure it out. And I knew it was in the realm of personal growth. I knew, you know, I, again, I knew the core values. So I started writing. I'm like, nope, too ADD to write a book. Then I was like, all right, I'm going to be a coach. And I started putting the program together. I took this course on, you know, how to create a digital uh, uh, personal growth or coaching uh product and I was too much of a, of a perfectionist, you know, to, I, I, well, one, I was still so deep in my uh, evolution and growth that I was like, how am I teaching other people when I'm growing? But the reality is if, even if you're one step ahead of them, you could still support other people. Well, yes. And what you're describing is a thing that is so common among people that go into coaching, you know, you, I mean, yeah. it's almost universal, like, mm-hmm. We're wondering how what it's the it's the imposter syndrome that Correct. we hear so much publicity about. We all experience that. What have I got exactly. to to offer? And and you worded it so beautifully. Then and this this applies to anything. This mm-hmm. doesn't apply just to being a coach. This applies to many many things in life. None of us have it all figured out, nope. and none of us <laughs> have to have it all figured out. You know, but in order to be a leader or be a coach or 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 be a mentor or anything where you are sharing your wisdom with others, you only have to be a step or two ahead of the the people that you're sharing with. And And sometimes it's a give and a take where it fluctuates, where I know that I have clients that I work with that occasionally teach me something. Yeah. Even though I may be a step or two ahead of them on the path, it's it's not a one-way street. Yeah. 
And if that's one thing that designing and building the Unite app has taught me, um, it, it, it's one, and, and you and I have discussed this, but everybody is a student and a teacher. You're growing, you're learning, and you're helping others all at the same time. So that's number one. I think that's beautiful. And I, and I, I kind of want to stop for a second and really, this is a, a, a really key piece because this, this isn't just about your Unite platform. This is the way it works in life. And, and a lot of people don't really get this, that but, we, it's the duality thing. Mm-hmm. So, so touch, flesh it out a little bit more, please. Sure. The, the second part is, to me is even more impactful, but we'll, we'll get there. So step one is, is that, you know, we, you can be both a, a student and teacher. So many of us think that, well, I, you know, I'm not smart enough or I don't have enough experience or I don't have this. So I could never, you know, go into the world and, and be of service to others or support others. Um, but the reality well, and is, the, and the flip side of that is we also have people who think they know it all and correct. that, they, and there's not anything else to learn. They don't, they don't need to, that you don't have anything to contribute to them because they got it all figured out. Now that's exactly. nothing could be farther from the truth, but we have all met people that that's the energy they operate from. You don't have anything correct. for me. I'm, I'm the one with all the, the knowledge and the expertise. Exactly. And the one thing I could tell you, and, and this is the premise for my company, is that um, that person that needs that one step ahead of you that you know and they don't know is just as profound as 10 steps ahead. But change and growth happens one step at a time, which leads me to step two or, or part two is, and I really, I want whoever is looking to grow to really take this in. It takes courage and faith that when you take that one step, that what you want on the other side is going to show up for you. And if there's something that I could say in 10 years is that by taking that one step, you're signaling to the universe that you're ready for more and it's going to give you more 100%. So if you're doubting yourself or if you're scared or if you just feel stuck, if you just take one step, the universe will deliver to you. And I, it has shown up and proven to me time and time and time again that behind the scenes, I don't know what it is, there is a life force that is orchestrating what people need and want, and it will be delivered to you. Man, I really resonate with what you're saying. And I can, I can say right now in my own journey as I prepare to launch this podcast... Mm -hmm. Um, because you, the listener, I'm recording these episodes before I have even launched yet. And it is taking an insane amount of courage and Mm -hmm. faith Mm -hmm. to step into this space, to put myself out there to the world in a way that I have never put myself out there before. Um, It's, it's been quite a journey. It is, but that's, I think that single part alone holds so many of us back from going and moving towards our authentic self because we're scared what happens if we take that step and something's not there. And, and for a lot of gay men, that is the case. They came out, told their family about their authentic self, and the family abandoned them. They talked to their friends, come out as their authentic self. Their friends abandoned them. So why would life be any different? If I take a step towards my authentic self, why would I not abandon myself? Or why would the universe or 
God or whatever you want to say it. Why would something else not abandon me? Well, and part of our being our authentic self is speaking our truth, being Mm -hmm. seen, being heard. And these are not things that we got to do growing up. Correct. You know, we, we, we knew we were different. We knew that we were going to be criticized for being different. We were already experiencing that. And we had to hide. We had to make ourselves invisible mm-hmm. to, to survive, as you spoke of earlier. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing about that is by the time we as gay men reach adulthood, we have programmed ourselves to hide, to not be seen, not be heard. We've done it for a, a, our whole whole childhood growing up years. And, and now it's habitual. It's something that it's what we know. And so we have no clue as we step into adulthood, we don't have any clue how to allow ourselves to speak our truth, to be seen, to be heard. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, it's my observation as I work with gay men that for the most part, we are starved Mm -hmm. to be seen and heard. We are starved for some kind of acknowledgement, an opportunity to speak our truth. And that's what this podcast is about. You know, for a, for many, many years, I would do just about anything to get attention. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when I came out of the closet, I, I had hidden for a long time. I would wear outlandish clothing. I would wear outlandish hairstyles. Mm-hmm. I would dance on the tables. I'd get drunk and dance on the tables. <laughs> I would tell crazy stories and, and, and jokes. Um, I, I can look back now and look at all that I did to get attention. Um, and this was before social media. It was in real time. And it's only been recently. I mean, when I say recently, I'm talking about just the last few weeks that I had this moment of clarity where I realized that getting attention and being seen and heard are not the same at nope. all. There at is all. no amount of attention that can satiate our need to be seen and be heard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, I'm 65 years old and I just am having that realization my my hope is that there are lots of folks out there right now that are really hearing this mm-hmm. you know because we're at a time where everybody's on, on social media doing outlandish things to get attention and it's a it's not in my opinion terribly healthy i look back at my own things that i did to get attention they weren't terribly healthy things um and it's it's never going to get you what you really want. The attention Think. is never going to satisfy that need to truly be seen and be heard. And the only way we get to be seen and be heard is to step into that authenticity, to be vulnerable, to speak your truth. And think how beautiful a world we would be living in if everybody used social media and their platform that they have the power to speak on to speak their authentic truth and to be their authentic self and to contribute to the world in a way that only they know how. What I don't think a lot of people realize is they, you know, they have a purpose as unique as their fingerprint. It's yes. it's their purpose DNA. And 
once they tap into. I agree completely. And so many of us are just, you know, trying to be louder than the person next to us sometimes. Um, but if we are all sharing our our gifts and our strengths and our talents and our, our creations, golly, like, and, you know, listen, that's what I hope to create ultimately with Unite is a platform that not only allows you to do the work, that allows you to connect with the community, but allows you to share and collaborate and create in a way that social media does, it, it exists on there. I'm not going to deny it doesn't because there's a lot of beautiful creations and collaborations that have come from uh, social media. But, uh, you know, being more deliberate and uh, intentful and, and, you know, with purpose and focus, you know, what you truly can create when you're approaching it from the right mindset with the right awareness. You know, there's so much power in what we could create as a world if we harnessed that focus and power to do something more authentic and and so forth. Mm, beautifully said, Brian. Yeah. Beautifully. I hope that uh, the listeners are really tracking you and, and hearing what you're saying because it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. There's one other thing I wanted to say and it, it, it slipped, but I, it, I wanted to share it. Um, maybe it'll come back to me if we just talk a little bit longer. <laughs> so, if you could um, travel back in time mm-hmm. and visit your eight-year-old self, yeah, with the knowledge, the maturity, and the wisdom that you currently possess, mm-hmm. what message would you have for your eight-year-old self that was at that precipice where he shut down, he stopped being his the authentic little boy that came into the world that way? I would have brought into his awareness, into his consciousness, that feeling of what he wanted to create. And I would have said, nothing else matters. No other person matters more than this feeling you have of creating an experience to bring to the world. That following this gift, ignore what your teachers say, ignore what your family says, focus on this at every decision. And if I would have just harnessed that energy and emotion that I had for that experience and that happiness that it brought me, you know, maybe I would have created it at 32, you know, I'm 40 now. And so maybe I'm eight years behind, but all that matters is that you're connecting back to yourself at some point on the journey. Um, But I would have given him just a little language and said that feeling right there that brings you the most happiness Keep that in your your bullseye. That's what you're going for in this world. Beautiful. So so you you were really pulled away from that sense of authenticity for a number of years. Talk about that's what I wanted to say. Do you mind if I jump into that? Yeah, please. I also don't believe that we're not exactly where we need to be at every single second, minute, and hour of our life. Because I couldn't have created what I wanted to until I got to this point. And so when they say you're exactly where you need to be, I never understood that. But I think I finally can put language to that, which is that we are where we need to evolve and grow until we're not, and then it becomes conscious, and then we can change it. But we're always learning, and we're we're choosing where we want to be because we think it serves us or fulfills a desire. 
And as soon as it no longer fulfills that desire and it goes from feeling good to feeling bad, we're no longer in the right spot anymore. So if that's the case, that we're always in the right spot, then you could have faith and courage that you're exactly where you need to be. And once you become aware that it's no longer the right spot, you'll make change and deliver yourself to the next spot. So, you know, I, I've heard people like Neil Tyson DeGrasse, who's a, I forget his exact role, um, astrophysicist, I don't know, he's something, he's smart, I know that much. Uh, but he said the same thing. He goes, looking back on my life, I could have not planned all the things that came into my life and led me to where I need to be if it wasn't, you know, already kind of, I don't want to say predetermined or preassigned. Orchestrated, maybe. Orchestrated. But as I look back on where I am to where I'm going now and what happened to me and who my parents were and who my friends were and the experiences of losing myself and refinding myself and, you know, I almost feel like I'm exactly where I need to be, even if it did take a little longer. Do you think that the fact that you had to spend that time feeling lost, not feeling like being your authentic self, mm -hmm. that journey? Do you think that that has made you appreciate where you are now even more than you would have if it had if you'd never stepped away from it? Hmm. You know, sometimes we don't realize what we have until we don't have it anymore. Correct. I mean, I'm really, really excited about what's up around the corner. Um not only with the platform, but with the dream and the vision and the support that has come into my life. Um, do I wish that would have come just a little sooner? Uh, yeah, but I do think I have the ability to be more present and compassionate with people now. Um, so I don't think I would have changed anything at all because I don't think I would have been ready until about 38, maybe, you know, so I, I don't think I would have traded. It was very painful. I think you could relate and agree that going through the growth, you know, that's why they call it growing pains, right? You're growing and it's painful. Um, it was very painful. It was very lonely. It did cause a lot of anxiety. It, you know, but always in my heart, I knew where I was trying to go. I wish I would have had more faith and more courage to take bolder actions. It's to get. It's definitely a paradox. I look back on my most painful experiences in life, and I would not want to relive them for anything, mm -mm. but I also wouldn't trade for them. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade for them. Even the most painful things that I experienced, because like a blacksmith forges a, a piece of iron, those experiences forged me into the man that I am today. And I wouldn't be the man I am today, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, and I wouldn't be making efforts to have an impact if I hadn't been through those deeply painful experiences. Totally. So I, you know, I think we're on the same page. I, I, as painful as it was, I don't think either of us would have traded it for life. What matters is we come, we become aware of what's controlling us. We become aware of where the pain is. We become present with what's speaking to us and we carve out space to be with ourselves, to listen and, the rest is up well, to us to create. And and that usually goes two different ways. You know, mm -hmm. every single one of us have had painful experiences. 
mm-hmm. and we have a choice. Then there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the people that allow those challenges and those painful experiences to beat them down and they never get back up again. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that make a different choice. They rise above the challenge. They get past the wounding and the pain and they take that experience and they turn it into something beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, for, for, for our, the listeners, my words of wisdom would be, you know, don't ever let life beat you down where you don't get up again. We always, it's, it's amazing to me how many people don't realize that they have a choice. We always have some sort of a choice. Always. And um, think about, you know, how that painful experience has contributed to your life in, in some, you know, look for the silver lining because I find if I'm willing to look for the silver lining, I always find it without fail. Doesn't mean that there wasn't some horrific aspects of what I went through, but there is always, in my experience, a silver lining. Correct. And to me, it's, it's community and purpose that are the keys to thriving and happiness. So at any point, you could say, I went through this pain, but I could help somebody else. And that gives your life purpose. And that gives your pain purpose. And that community gives you purpose and connection. And that in and of itself will allow you to thrive and find happiness when you connect with a like-minded community of people who share a similar journey. And so never, never let any pain go, you know, in vain, turn it. They always say, turn your pain into purpose and you're going to find a tremendous amount of happiness in doing that. You know, it's, it's the ones that allow themselves to sit in the pain and relive the pain. The pain isn't meant to be forever. The pain is meant to teach you the lesson and you move on. And if, if you're not able to move through that pain, you know, seek support. You know, I think there is a lot of pain out there that people do need support with moving that emotion through their body. Um, You know, uh, but I think that a lot of people that can get clarity around that, work through it and bring that to support others will find a lot of comfort and happiness in what their experience was. So, you know, there is a lot of turmoil going on in our world right now. But one of the things that we do have that we have maybe never had throughout history Mm-hmm. is we have more resources at our fingertips than we've ever had. We have more opportunities for support, more opportunities oh. for growth, learning. Um, and um, some of it is, a lot of it is incredibly accessible to anybody. We have so much in the world we live in right now. And we are blessed to live in the world and the moment in time that we live in. We if, there, if there is anyone that's looking for a blessing... That is the blessing we have right now is that we live in 2021. And and to circle back to, you know, the awareness piece, if mm-hmm. we're ever, we are living in tough times of, per, in, in spite of all of the great things we have going on, we're in trying times right now. And we the are. only way we're ever going to get through this is to raise our awareness. Totally. Individually and collectively. Mm-hmm. So awesome, awesome conversation. How about some rapid fire questions? Got some rapid fire answers for some rapid fire questions? Do it. I wasn't ready for this, but sure. Let's go. Well, 
Well, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to be ready. So, um, number one, when was the last time you cried? Um, 30 minutes ago, an hour ago. And when was the last time you cried in front of another gay man? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Most of it's with music by myself. Um, who could have that have been with my f- best friend, Russell, um, on my birthday, my 40th birthday. I think we shared some tears together. I couldn't recall the exact moment, but if it would have been anyone, it would have been him. And I think we, we just celebrated the moment and my birthday and, you know, being great friends and talking all the time. And I, I think there was some tears that came through that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's, 60 years from now, and you're a ghost (laughs) at your own funeral. Okay. And there are many of your gay peers Mm -hmm. present at your funeral. Yeah. What do you hope they have to say about you? Oh, see, this is a script that I'm writing right now because I had to leave my gay peers to go on my journey to become my authentic self. And up till this point, I'll be very honest. I think some of them would have said he was a he was a selfish person going after what he wanted, not knowing what I was going after what I wanted. Um, maybe not those exact terms. The people that know me know exactly what I'm creating. But I think they're, you know, if, if it's 60 years into the future, it would be... Well, and the question was what do you hope they say about you? So what I hope they will say about me is I love, that I love your vulnerability though. in sharing that, that was, thank you for bringing that piece of what you, what you believe they would say. I, I do feel that is, is the truth a, a little bit. Um, but in 60 years, that gives me plenty of time to really contribute and be of service to the community. And, you know, with the Unite app, we just launched the LGBTQIA plus collective, you know, so a lot of my work moving forward and life force will continue to be with the LGBTQIA community. Um, so I think they'll say he he went after his dreams, he went after his desires, but ultimately he gave back to a community that gave so much to him. Beautiful. You know. Hey, what, what's coming up for you right now? I can feel it. Being the empath, I can feel it. What's coming yeah, up? Yeah, no, it's, you know, being a part of the gay community is one of the greatest gifts of my life. You know, we're a part of such of a beautiful, creative community. And it it's not fun that to be yourself, you're looked at as abandoning community, you know? Um, because at the same time, it's, you're trying to contribute in a greater way than you were when you weren't your authentic self. Um, but I'll say this till the day that I died that, you know, being gay and being a part of the gay community is a true blessing to be around as many creative, passionate, authentic, expressive individuals. And I, I wouldn't want any other life than to be a part of the gay community. It really is a blessing. It really, really is. 
you know, I didn't, I didn't think that it was going to bring that emotion out, but I, I want to acknowledge you because um, this is what makes you a beautiful human being, Brian, right here. Yeah. This vulnerability, this, uh, this mm-hmm. ability to really, this is authenticity right here and vulnerability, mm-hmm. speaking yeah. your truth and, and letting me and our listeners see and hear an aspect of you that as, as gay men or as people in general, we're so frightened to do this. It's Mm -hmm. so scary to, to step into this vulnerable place because we've been told all of our fucking lives that this is weakness. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, in my experience, that could not be farther from the truth. Well, now I can answer your question of crying with a gay man as of right now. <laughs> exactly. And anybody that says vulnerability is weakness, mm-hmm. they have not experienced true vulnerability. Because yeah. let me tell you what, it takes a fucking boatload of mm-hmm. strength and courage to do what Brian just did. It takes a bunch of courage and a bunch of strength to step into that vulnerable place and share your your feelings and your emotions openly and honestly. And I just want to acknowledge you for that. This Thanks. is, um, as I said, it's it it makes yeah. you the beautiful man that you are. Thank you. Yeah, and I just think I, I, there, I know there's a lot of listeners out there that maybe in this moment in time they have other types of feelings for the gay community, um, and it's easy to do in any community when you're not feeling the best about yourself. But when you truly boil it down to the unique and creative individuals that are living their authentic self, it really is one of the most beautiful communities to be a part of. And I hope more of our community taps into their authentic self to to live and create and love in a way that only queer, gay, lesbian, bisexual, intersex, asexual, transgender, non-binary people know how to love. We are not a part of mainstream society. We are not a part of the matrix that has been created for this world to exist. We step outside of those boundaries and we love and create and contribute in a way that most of our heterosexual counterparts never will live, love, and create. Not, not, there are plenty out there that do. But I truly do believe that being a part of this community is one of the biggest blessings of my life. And I'm so honored to be a part of it. Yeah. I think there was a time when if you had said, I got a magic pill, you can take this pill. (laughs) I think I'd have taken it at one point in my life, but that was many, many years ago. I feel very blessed to have had the life that I have had as a gay man. And it's been filled with challenges, Definitely. but it's also given me opportunities that I would have never, ever been able to experience as a heterosexual male. Totally. And I wouldn't and trade for those. Neither would I. I'll forever be thankful for that. Yeah, I, I concur. So, well, what a beautiful energy that you have brought to the <laughs> today. It's been a complete... Uh, a pleasure having this conversation with you. And, and, and I just want to say that, I mean, I liked you immediately upon meeting, meeting you, you have good energy, mm-hmm. but I have to say your willingness to, to lean into that vulnerability and share that openly with me 
has yeah. made me feel closer to you immediately. Mm. It makes me, what I, what I say when I say is that it makes people want to come and sit right next to me. Yeah. And right now I want to come and sit right next to you. So mm. thank you. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, it's been totally a joy to have you here. And I just want you to hear I, I, from me mm-hmm. that you are indeed an authentic gay man. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't feel like that all the time. So thank you for, for sharing those words. Thank you for the beautiful example that you set. Yeah. Thank you. Our, our community and the world is blessed to ha- have you out there um, fighting the fight that you're fighting. It's a journey. Thank you. Thank you so much for that.